Creed, it is time for Game of the Year. Next week, we'll run down our top seven Games of the Year. That is a top five plus two honorable mentions, unranked. Today, we're going to talk about the old Game of the Year, the most surprising Game of the Year, the best exclusive Game of the Year, the best new character, best moment in games 2020, most disappointing game, most, uh, sorry, worst ongoing series or genre, biggest news story, and most anticipated game. Reed, why don't you start us off with your old Game of the Year? Uh, it was really hard to pick between the two. I played two di different games last year that are among my favorites. I gotta give it to God of War 2018, though. It was between that and Kotar 2. Uh, but you can't deny just how fucking unbelievable a video game that God of War 2018 is. Recently at work... Have you platinum that game? Yes, I have. Oh, uh, man, that's so that's tough. <laughs> recently, not really. The only hard thing about that, about that was getting Odin's Ravens. Um... So recently, a guy at the office, Andrew, also completed God of War for the first time. And he's like, yeah, like, I get it now. Like, the game's fucking great. And it is. Uh, the characters develop in very subtle but noticeable ways by the end of it. The story is very intriguing without getting too complicated and always keeping you interested not only in the mystery but the characters themselves. Uh, the combat is solid and, and thick and... And grindy. Uh, the places that you visit are all varied in appearance and design, and it's a fucking gorgeous looking game. The music is incredible. I can't say enough, uh, enough good things about this video game. It is one of the, in in my opinion, like I've said a lot of times, I think it's like one of the best video games ever made. If we're looking at wow. it from a from a purely critical standpoint. Waiting, uh, waiting for the sequel, either this year or next. Probably next. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Lee? What is your old game of the year? Oh, thanks, Reed. Uh, so I, there's a few games I've revisited this year uh, a few times. Th this would always go to Destiny 2, but that is a game I've mostly fallen off of uh, this previous year. And I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to give uh, the devil is due with Yakuza. Just the series on a whole. Uh, I have never been more invigorated to play through a series as I am right now. Thinking that at the end of Yakuza One, Kiryu is out. Of, of the he's out of the mafia and he's done and to think that this poor man's story goes on in five more games uh, and, and all the madness uh, and Japanese wrestlers that await me in uh, <laughs> Gamescom my old game of the year is just Yakuza uh, specifically Kwame 1 and 2 alright Reed most surprising game of the year uh, for me this is going to be kind of a weird one because it's going to have an asterisk and that would be Final Fantasy 7 Remake and it's surprising for two reasons. One, I thought it was sure. going to be shit from the beginning. And then it turned out that it was awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then the second surprise game when I thought it was going to stay awesome and then shit the bed at the end of the game. Final Fantasy VII right. Remake is the most surprising game of the year for two different reasons. And I just listed them. <laughs> a book, a bookend of surprises. Yes. You're like, oh my god, they did it. And by the end of it, you're like, oh my god. They fucked they it up. They almost did it. <laughs> Fair. Uh, my most surprising game of the year was uh, Hades, in terms of a game that just took me by complete surprise. Uh, so this game is made by Supergiant Games, the guys who did Bastion uh, Transistor, I think is another one of their games. Gorgeous looking games, uh, highly critically acclaimed, that have just passed me by. I, I have never played Bastion or Transistor. Uh, I've heard people talking about Hades. It's been in early access for a long time before coming out this year. I'm like, you know what, motherfuckers, uh, I got some extra money here on my Switch. I know that's not the ideal place to play it in terms of the visuals, but let's do it. And I was blown away. Um, I was gripped by 
the the difficulty, the action, uh, the different character builds, the uh, it, it becomes kind of addicting that you're like one more run and you never know truly until you start the run what direction that run will, will go. Whether you're like, I think I can make it pretty deep here. Uh, and then as you complete, like read, you're very early on. Uh, but but as you start to play that game, as you get into later runs, your, your run will kind of start to tr- change and evolve around. Well, let me just get as much experience as I can because this build sucks and there's no way I'm taking it deep. Or I think... I think I should just blitz through this and get as strong as possible and head right to the end as quickly as I can because I think I can beat it. Uh, it it's it's great um, as as a rogue like or road rogue light. I don't know which definition we're we're looking for here, uh, but it's a fantastic game. And I thought I was after Rogue Legacy, man. I thought that kind of game was done. I'm like, okay, the randomly generated dungeon thing with the the random character every time. This this there's no one who's going to eclipse this and here comes super giant with Hades. And voice acting and a great story to boot, god damn it, uh to keep you going. So that's my most surprising game of the year. Reed, what was the best exclusive game of 2020? Uh this is super easy for me and that would be the Demon Souls remake for PlayStation 5. There you go. Uh, it's undeniable what a fantastic job. Was it Blue Note or Blue Point? I believe I believe so. Yeah, yeah, Blue Note. So they did an absolutely fantastic job on this remake. It's not a remaster. This is a remake. They completely did all the, redid all the environments while keeping in line with Miyazaki's vision of the game. They didn't change or add anything besides very, very minor tweaks, such as naming items. The game is absolutely gorgeous, if not the best-looking available game to the public market right now, in my opinion. Uh, the sounds coming off, the rain falling, the reflections in the water and the fire, the way your character looks, and the detail when you zoom in on photo mode, it's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, the weapon system changes that they made to make weapons sound clunky and heavy and have a lot more weight than they ever did in Dark Souls, which, like, when you play Dark Souls, it seemed fine, and now it's even better. It's so good to the point that, like, me and Nick at work have constantly, like, been like, man, I really hope, like, they commission them to remake more Souls games, because they could do so much cool shit with this. So Demon's Souls, absolutely best exclusive game of the year, in my opinion. So that's... You would probably know more of this than me, but the the rights for the Souls games, it's like after Demon Souls, which Sony owns some stake in, I believe everything else is Namco. Yes, right? yes. At that point, yeah. it's all just like FromSoft, and they own it. But yeah, Demon Souls at the time, all its licenses were owned by Sony. Uh, so when they made, so when they were wanting to make a new one, Sony was like, okay, we'll make Demon Souls two, and they wanted to make a new one, so they made Dark Souls for all consoles instead. I gotcha. Yeah. All right. My best exclusive game of the year goes to the king of the family exclusive. And read, it's the best-selling console. It's the one of the best-selling games of 2020. Animal Crossing New Horizons. Yeah, <laughs> I should have guessed. As, as most places here in North America were heading into lockdown, Animal Crossing was just uh, gracing the, uh, the store shelves. Uh, the Switch outsold anything else uh, hands down in Japan this past year. And aside from a little boost in sales at the end of the year, if you combined all hardware sales, maybe PlayStation has it beat. But I think for the most part, Switch fucking ruled the day. Uh, this game did like dozens of millions of uh, uh, eShop downloads as well as being one of the best uh, sell-through physical games. Even though that we were heading into a pandemic, people were still moving physical copies of this game, shipping them. Uh, and it's a fantastic game. What can I say? Uh, is it the best Animal Crossing game? No. 
Uh, <laughs> not at all. It's it's very good. It it scratched that itch. It did a lot of what it needed to do for 2020. I think in uh, any other year, you could level a lot of of criticisms on Animal Crossing New Horizons uh, that it would absolutely deserve. Uh, things that Nintendo continue chooses to do to their games, but fuck it, we can't deny them. The only place you can play this game is on the goddamn Switch. So buy a Switch. Buy another Switch. Buy three Switches. One for everyone in the family. Uh, that's the best exclusive game of the year, in my opinion. <laughs> Reed, what is the best new character? This one was probably the most difficult. I couldn't think of any characters that jumped out of my mind that came around 2020 that I was like, wow, like how fantastically written. I haven't finished Hades, so I can't speak for the main character of that game yet. So in that respect, I went, with, I went with my gut, and I went Del May Cry 5 Special Edition Virgil. Yeah, not <laughs> yes, not for narrative or for story or anything, but he is a new character that you get to play as that was released only in 2020, and he is okay, so fun as fuck. I, I have a confession to make. Hmm. Uh, I have not yet played Devil May Cry 5. Is Virgil not in it? No, he's not. Like he's oh, in, that's fantastic. He's in, the, he's, in, <laughs> he's in Devil May Cry 5, but you can't play as Virgil. You just fight him at oh, the okay. end. Okay. But, then but this it, is still Virgil as we know him. Well, yes and no, like... Different moveset and everything, but my fucking decision stands. Virgil Del May Cry okay. Special Edition, uh, best new character because you get to play as him, and he is really cool and edgy. And this mostly speaks to the fact that 2020 was just a little bit disappointing in regards to the whole story and narrative department. Right. Uh, so my best new character is Abby from the last... No, joking. Uh, it's Johnny <laughs> Silverhand, only because I haven't played Yakuza Like a See, Dragon. I, uh, I have H- Johnny yeah. Silverhand marked on mine as well. I put Johnny Silverhand slash V or Virgil, and I just couldn't... I couldn't give it to Cyberpunk. It just... It wasn't good yeah. enough. So <laughs> one of the one of the shining things that I will always remember about Cyberpunk, even in its current state, is Keanu Reeves' performance, which is all over the map. Uh, but anytime Johnny appeared in a scene, especially if it was a side quest and you know he he was just there to deliver a one-liner or say something about his nuts, uh, you, you had a little smile on your face. Uh, I think Keanu Reeves uh, will get short shrift for what he brought to Cyberpunk in terms of a like A-list actor being in an A-list quote-unquote video game. Uh, and having that many lines of dialogue being that much of a central character, you see Johnny Silverhand more than you see your own character yes. in this fucking game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just and I think uh, I think he deserves a shout out. Uh, l- listen, there's a lot of cyberpunk characters around the periphery that at first w- at first meeting them, you're like, oh, this is a fantastic character, but they do so little with them, and they don't stick the landing on so many of those characters that they they lose their memorability. Yeah, absolutely. In my, in my, Agreed. Yeah. Uh, but the honorable mention to Ichiban Kasuga, who I have to understand uh, from Nick, uh, is is one of the greatest gems of a new character this year. So, asterisk next to that one. Best moment in games 2020, Reed? Oh, this one was super easy for me, and this would be the Storm King boss fight from the Demon Souls remake. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. Fuck the Storm King. It's, it's taking full power of, I, in my opinion, the PS5 at the moment. You you will go into this huge uh, cliff where there's fucking pouring rain, and they have the most beautiful cinematic followed up by one of the. It's an easy boss fight, but it's not supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to be cinematic. It you have a hundred different manta rays plus the huge ass storm king in there, and if you have headphones on, you just hear their cries coming through your your headphones, and it's. 
it's fucking epic. There's and it's such a cliche word to use for something like this, but there's no other word I can I can think of right now that describes this boss fight. It's 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 cinematic. It's it's huge. It's uh, visceral. Watching all these manta rays fall before you as this giant fucking storm king comes and he just you your screen is vibrating because it's making such a loud noise. It's uh, it's jaw dropping. Is the one of the only words I can use to describe that fight when you first. It's a shame it. we fucked out the term epic, uh, like ten, twelve years ago, uh, so that you couldn't just say epic and it mean what it used to. Yeah. Because now epic can also mean look at the size of this hammer. Yeah. It's like it's like watching the ride <laughs> of the Rohirrim for the first time in theaters. It's like that kind of feeling. That like whole oh, this like this is something special right here. Wow. Uh, so honorable mention. Uh, and I think this might be an honorable mention for you too. Is the Hell House in Final Fantasy VII? Uh, yes and no. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Overhyped. Uh, no, I had no idea this this fight was coming. So you're fighting your way through a bunch of punks and losers in this like gladiator arena, and the guy's like, "Okay, now for the big finale, you fight a literal house." And I also think that's one of the first real skill checks uh, in that game as well. Yeah. Okay. To make sure if you. If, if we're going down that route, then uh, other shout out to the best moment in gaming: fucking cloud dancing in Final Fantasy VII remake. That shit was great. Oh no. Yeah. Fucking awful. <laughs> okay, what's your actual best moment? <laughs> uh, working together with my wife to get a five-star island in Animal Crossing. Uh, working together, deciding where things are going to go, laying out the town, being like, oh, we got some more houses to build, let's build them over here. Uh, both, you know, gardening and stuff like that on that island. Uh, that was that was something we both worked towards this year, and the first time you hear you got the five-star island, it's a you know, big high-five moment. And, uh, and that's it. Most disappointing game, Reed. Uh, not much to say about this one. I think you're going to have the same one as me, and that's Last of Us Part 2. Uh, when I look at disappointing, disappointing should mean to me anyway that I have a certain level of expectations going into it, and they went far below that, and that would define Last of Us Part 2. Uh, if you were curious about to my reasonings, go check out our Last of Us Part 2 episode. <laughs> <laughs> you're just throwing you're just plugging like old podcasts well, like, <laughs> like go listen to me last week like, we don't have go that much to me four months ago we don't have that much time and i can't i can't get back into it <laughs> <laughs> uh my miss we we can we can also cut this off and just do the rest of them next week there's no fucking rules you're putting virgil on your best uh best new character we can do whatever we want uh my most disappointing game is not the last of us 2 because i was not to be disappointed reed i have to first be appointed I didn't understand why they would make a sequel to that game. I didn't want it. I thought the story had been told. And lo and behold, look at what they managed to cobble together. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, The Last of Us 2 is now the most winningest game of the year game of all time, having eclipsed Witcher 3 by one award as oh, of this no. weekend. Uh, so there you go. Uh, but my most disappointing game is easily Cyberpunk 2077. Holy fuck. Yeah. If you want to hear uh, my thoughts on, on that... Uh, listen, even even this game working properly, like top to bottom, if there weren't the the glitches and the bugs, and uh, just what was presented to us was what was presented to us, uh, the way the side stories just cut off, the way the game uh, forces you into a, a state of uh, your main character being sick or dying that we also encountered in like RDR2, and how that kind of shoehorns the plot into a corner... Uh, and makes a lot of the stuff you do on the peripheries don't me not mean anything. Uh, it's it's got a lot of problems. We've been talking about cyberpunk for fucking weeks, so I won't I won't bore you any further. Uh, 
go back and listen to that and we'll have our mega cyberpunk episode. I've been really thinking introspectively on, on cyberpunk and like how in the first two episodes we're just gushing about this game. Like, look at all the stuff that they give you all at once. It's like we opened up a, a, a door to adventure city or something like that. Like, look at the ball pits and all the things we can climb. Oh my God. And then uh, a couple hours pass and uh, like, you want to go back into the ball pit? Nah. You want to go climb up that wall again? Nah. Is there? Oh, it's over. Uh, we gotta go home now. That's that's kind of how I felt on Cyberpunk, and I think it's a it's a beautiful thing we did. Uh, and that podcast will be a funny up and down, but we're gonna cut it off early because uh, I have a lot to say on the worst ongoing series genre thing. So we're gonna do worst on- ongoing series genre next week with biggest news story, uh, and then most anticipated game as well. And then we're gonna go into our top seven and allot ourselves a little more time. Reed, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. Let's talk about something that isn't fucking awful. Game of the Year Part 2, Reed. We have uh, three categories that we need to quickly go through before getting to our, our top lists here. Worst ongoing series or genre. Reed, take it away. Uh, this is very easy for me. I'm going to uh, say it's not a specific genre, but looters. I think this 2020 was horrible for looters, whether they're looters, shooters, slashers, whatever you want to call it. Shlooters. Yeah. Uh big part of this would be for me personally anyway godfall is a very obvious example just a shit fucking game no loot nothing to customize your character with in a unique way i think and then this problem carried on into a very infamous game now which is marvel's avengers one of the worst fucking loot based games i've ever played in my life you can get a shit ton of loot you can't see any of it on your stupid fucking character so none of it is meaningful because you can't see what it relatively does or looks like. You can't go up to your friends and be like, hey, look at this super awesome fucking badass helmet I have. Look at this sick rib cage. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So absolutely bad year for sh- looters. We're regressing. Uh, we should be able to see all the armor we equip. All the guns and weapons should be absolutely unique from each other doing different things. And uh, yeah, very disappointed this year. Wow. Uh, so mine originally was going to go to the, like... It's not a genre I enjoy, but the Valorant and Overwatches and the a million uh, kind of spinoffs that those games... Everybody comes to the table with basically a cookie-cutter copied version of a, of a hero shooter. Yeah. And and expects it to take off. What was that EA one this year? It was like Rocket Arena, I, right? I don't even know. Ro- yeah, Some piece of shit yeah. like named after a mode from Quake. And it just it fucking came out and just fell right on its face. Yeah. Uh, that was going to be my mention, but you know what it's actually going to be, Reed? Hmm. It's going to be Microsoft's fucking exclusives. Because outside of Ori, uh, which is fine, man, has that taken a fucking nosedive, especially when you're competing with Sony, who is reliably releasing four, maybe more, solid uh, single-player experiences, exclusives a year, right. uh, showcases of the console, and what it can do in terms of graphics, all these teams that are contributing right. and have games line up. Like we didn't between like, Miles Morales. We didn't yeah, like sorry, we didn't like Last of Us Part Two, but there's no denying that it is a very well made game and a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, but guess what? There's it. also Demon Souls. There's also yeah. Miles Morales. There's Ghost of Tsushima. Horizon. Uh right. Bloodborne. You know, from a few years. <laughs> I'm talking about just twenty twenty. Oh, yeah. what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh but but fucking Microsoft spits out Gears Tactics as the only exclusive Microsoft Xbox game. It's not even at exclusive. The Series X I can launch. play it on my PC if I want to. I don't need to buy right. an Xbox. Read. It's been out on PC for months before it came out on Xbox. Yeah, I don't need to buy an Xbox to play their exclusives anymore. Right. Uh, and Microsoft seems to know that more than anyone. And the idea of like a Halo coming out and them delaying it a full year 
in the best case scenario, what are you hoping that game to be? Gears 5 apparently got downloaded like crazy because you're telling people it's an $80 game and they're getting it for free if they already have Game Pass. And people are somehow enjoying the fucking... Man, I tried to play through Gears 4 uh, a few months ago during quarantine here. I'm like, let's let's give it... Let's skip all the Gears games uh, because I never was able to choke down playing that first one. And let's play this fourth one. Man, they... They have all these studios now. They have Obsidian. They have Bethesda. They have Double Fine. Uh, they need a major output of, of exclusive games for the Xbox, which will now also mean their PC games. And will also mean now their free Game Pass games. And things are skewing towards, like, uh, net Netflix uh, and stuff. Now, Reed has messaged me. What? Hello? You there? Yeah. Okay, sorry. I'm going to clap so I can take this out later. <laughs> Uh, things are skewing towards the, the the Netflixes of the world, which is like we'll get some name actors, we'll make it look like it's a real movie, but God, is there no is there there's seemingly no effort put in here to get behind this thing? Right. And the the you know the landscape has changed in how Xbox and Microsoft releases their games now with Game Pass, and I understand that. But I'm not looking forward to Halo. I'm not looking forward to any fucking Xbox exclusive game what, right now. What and Xbox bad exclusive news. are coming out, Lee, besides Halo? And that's not even exclusive. I'll be able to play that on my PC. I can play Master Chief Collection right now. Uh, exactly. You. I think I've, we've made my point. Uh, <laughs> biggest news story. What you got, Reed? Uh, easy. CD Projekt Red and all the controversy with the release of Cyberpunk 2077. The delays. The printing. Right. The glitches, the co- the drama in the studio with the execs, all of it. It's true. All of it. As far, as far as I know, you still can't buy that game on the PlayStation Network. Wild. Yeah. So I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't see what's a bigger news story than that, at least in recent memory for me. Yeah. That one was mine. And then the follow-up was Microsoft acquiring Bethesda, which I don't think we've seen the full breadth of yet. No. We don't know what that means We yet. just know they bought them and that's it. Yeah. For a lot of money. Uh, your most anticipated game. Sorry, this recording is missing. Reed selected God of War Ragnarok as his most anticipated game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be 2021, but uh, that James Bond game from IO Interactive uh, is is really intriguing. I, man, you got to start listening to the news on the show you're on. Uh, <laughs> the Hitman guys are, are got the James Bond license, and it's not a movie license, so they have free reign to do whatever they want with James Bond, including cast Indris Elba as James Bond. Uh... So I'm very much looking forward to uh, to what they do with that. Maybe exploring James Bond outside of just a shooter. Listen, James Bond shoots people, but there, there's a lot more that he does. Like, has sex with ladies and stuff like that. Uh, Reed, we're going to run down our top seven games of the year. Before we get to number one, we're going to throw it to some guest lists submitted by one Nick and one Andrew. Uh, but first, let's start with... Our unranked, as I like to put it, sixth and seventh uh, game of the year. What do you got? <laughs> yeah. My two unranks for the top seven list would be Final Fantasy VII Remake and Call of Duty Warzone. Call of Duty Warzone did technically release in 2020. I've experienced uh, many, many hours playing this game. It's mostly a lot of fond memories with playing with a large group of friends. It really helped um, in a weird way, like bring a lot of me and my friends back together after like years of just like you know doing adult shit and like we talk consistently there's constantly like six people a night playing just good fucking times they actually keep this game up to date it's pretty neat final fantasy 7 remake is pretty self-explanatory um still a great game absolutely love playing it i don't think it can crack my top five just because of how f- 
fucking much of a dip that narrative and that writing took in the last act of that game. I think if you took out that last act of that game, I would have put this into my top five. Uh, but as it stands, I can't. Fair. Uh, my two go-to uh, games I have not finished. One of them I haven't even started, Reed. Uh, but they are Spiritfarer and Yakuza Like a Dragon. Now listen to me. I know when I play more Spiritfarer and I play more Yakuza Like a Dragon, they will easily knock my fifth and fourth games off of my list. I know this. Uh, so I'm giving them an honorable mention here. Sorry, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Kiwami 2 was too good, but I'll get to you eventually. And Spiritfarer just seems like... Uh, I, I, like again, I put like mm, let's say four to six hours into that uh, genuinely, and I I want to go back and finish it out on the other side of some other games here. So that's my honorable mentions this year. Let's run it down, starting at number five. Read. Uh, so my number five game of the year was Ghost of Tsushima. I thought this was a very excellent game, uh, very solid writing overall, very excellent looking world, very elegant in that regard. The combat is. Uh, meaty and juicy with enough with enough complexity for it to keep you coming back without it being too much at the same time overall a uh, pretty standard open world action adventure game but the samurai setting and the very obvious homage to kurosawa um, sure. makes this game a bit more special and yeah i enjoyed my time with it very much so number five on my list Right on. My number five, and I'll live to regret this in uh, going forward, will be Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> uh, it is. It, it gets. It gets onto the list because when it's good, it's very good. It's damn good. Uh, it's da- it's damn good. But there's some stuff. There are some choices in this game. Namely, yes, anything to do with the ghosts and the entire final act of this game that is just so unnecessary and really almost almost ruins the game. Like we said, very close to greatness, this game. But in terms of... Uh, I, I cannot deny it. The battle system and what that means for Final Fantasy going forward, uh, seeing all these these areas and stuff rendered, the soundtrack, there's a, there's a lot uh, to really, really find great yeah. here. Um, yeah, uh, like... Like again, what they they almost nailed it. They nailed it until they didn't. Until they decided, no, we're gonna take a hard left turn here and, and make this something bigger and overarching. And it's just like it it didn't it didn't need it. Nope. And every time you hear them be like, no one wanted a straight up remake of seven. That's a it's lie. Like, no, that's that's literally what we thought we were getting. That's yeah. why. This, uh, whatever. Disappointing, but also on the fucking list. Read your number four game of the year. Uh, my number four game of the year was Cyberpunk 2077. I think wow. this game would have been higher on the list had I not finished it completely by the time we got to this podcast. Um, but I think once you really take a big step back and look at the game after you're done it, and it, especially how some of the side quests finish right when they're getting interesting, and how some of the narrative just doesn't land the way that you wanted it to... And mostly just the fact that this is always on the cusp of being great, but just doesn't quite reach it. Uh, I, I couldn't put it in the top three, but despite that, Cyberpunk 2077 is still a fantastic first-person RPG. The world is absolutely wonderful to go through and experience. Uh, the level of character customization and builds you can do is varied and fun and unique. And overall, it's just a good old-fashioned fucking video game that got overshadowed by a lot of controversy which it, which it deserved, um, but I to not take that away from the game, I still enjoyed it a lot. So number four on my list. Right on. My number four is Fuser. 
uh, Harmonix, the makers of Rock Band, uh, made a game called Drop Mix, and it was like a mobile game. It had like a module thing with it, and it was sold at Toys R Us. And it came with decks of cards, and the cards had music samples on them. So you would just be sitting there listening to a beat, and you could throw down some like, yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. <laughs> and I'm like, man, this would be really cool if, if they extrapolated this and, and really made the music game that I think they're on the precipice of making. And then they did, and it's called Fuser. And Fuser takes... Uh, entire musical tracks. It uh, cuts them into four and basically makes you a a drop mix DJ. Uh, of course, the game has some magic uh, going on in the background that does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. The game matches uh, the speed of the songs and stuff like that and changes the keys, therefore. And if you kind of know what you're doing, you're going to have a great time with this. The campaign goes out of its way to teach you everything while you make some of the worst mixes of your of your life. But when you go into the quick play and you're given all these tools, uh, you can really make some some really cool sounding stuff in here. Um, it's a joy. It's uh, it's not for everyone. Uh, if you're if you're a rhythm game or musically inclined person, uh, there's really something fun here, and I can't wait to have some house parties and bust out this game legitimately as the as the house parties music. So Fuser's great. Harmonix is great. No one makes music games like them. Reed, you're number three. Number three is Hades for me. Uh, I haven't quite finished this game yet. Still got some work to do, but I think it's very obvious to me that this is one of the best games of 2020 for multiple reasons. The gameplay yeah. is addictive and varied. Every run is different in that regard. They added a surprising amount of weapon customization. Uh, technically, there is six weapons, but each of them have four different forms. So that's 24 different ways you can use these weapons. Um, the amount of characters you can speak to and grow the relationships organically through the story is very unique. I love how this game, you could technically beat it on your first ever run. Um, and you could also technically beat it on your 30th run, and there's no right <laughs> or wrong way to do that because of how the story's structured. Um, there's so many lines of dialogue. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you'll go through a run, and you'll experience something that you never have before. It was like my 15th run, and all of a sudden I saw a new Fury sister when I got to the end of the first section. I was like, fuck, yeah. this is really cool. Um, is that the yeah. one that turns lights out? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, the voice act, the voice acting this in this game is surprisingly good. Uh, Meg Nerda, I can't, I don't know her name specifically, sure. but her voice actress is absolutely fantastic. Very uh, unique. Who's Megara? Isn't it? No. Megara. Yeah. yeah. Either way, this game is incredibly fun. It's uh, it's very addictive as well. Like you can always go one more run, and yeah. I highly recommend it. One of uh, one of the easiest purchases I've ever made in my life. It's uh the the amount of lines of dialogue and like you'll have, Zagreus will be going through the boss door and you can hear a line of dialogue where he's just wondering who it's gonna be this time and then he like guesses wrong and you'll have a line of dialogue about ah I was wrong or some or something like that and like yeah there's so many lines of dialogue like that we're like I've never heard that before I've I'm still now I've played the game and and finished it a few like finished a few runs and I'm maybe on like my thirtieth run now. And I'm still hearing things for the first time, or I'm still coming across a scenario where Zagreus has something very specific to the situation to say, and it's uh, it's incredible. My number three is Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, this game was everything it needed to be for me. Yes, it is uh, pretty standard, a map littered with things, open world, but that open world is so stunning, uh, what they accomplished there using... like. The game looks better than it actually is, using all kinds of lighting and and particle effects and stuff like that, and the the sweeping landscapes. That late title card, the crunchy combat where you're just sticking people with swords, wiping off the blood. Um, 
this was a a very tight package. I liked the story. People had a lot of trouble trouble with the the dissonance of uh, Jin Sakai and what's happening in the cutscenes with his uncle, and then what you're actually doing. If you play the game honorably, the game is still kind of putting you down and forcing you into these situations that you feel like, as a player, you may have taken away from you. But I bought into all that shit, and I loved Ghost of Tsushima. It's my number three. Reed, your number two. My number two is Doom Eternal. Uh, a lot of people, for some reason, like, I don't want to say didn't Split like the this room, game, this game. But- but they're like, oh, it's not Doom 2016, and I didn't think it needed to be. I, I think Doom 2016 is, like, if you want to play that game, you should just go play Doom 2016. Because, uh, like, you're not playing these games for the environments or the enemies, you're doing it for the gameplay, right? Doom Eternal right. is, like, a puzzle first-person shooter and how you must operate to get certain resources back and kill enemies. In that regard, it's incredibly fun. The pace of it is fast and furious, buttery smooth 60 frames per second the music speaks for itself absolutely blasting fucking wonderful uh can't say enough good about doom eternal one of my favorite games the story could use a little bit of work but who gives a fuck it's just doom i was uh, talking about doom with nick uh and he he's like oh they kind of turned it into a character action game like it's like it's not the same game admittedly no, some people 20, were down it, with that and some people yeah weren't. it's not doom 2016 like i said it's more like a puzzle shooter uh but i i was down with it i loved constantly having to throw grenades hit him with the flamethrower d- slice him up with the fucking hand blade and then take out my gun and shoot him just to get bullets back or get my armor back or anything like that i thought doom eternal was a great time if you're going into it expecting more Doom 2016, you were going to be disappointed. I was going to say, uh, you know, Destiny 2 has all that, but you're not required uh, to do certain things to get certain things. And I think that's where the disconnect is between a puzzle shooter, as you said, as you called it, which is probably the right name for it. My number two is going to be Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, I was going to put this game lower on the list in terms of an Animal Crossing game because of the features it's missing, honestly. Uh, here's the Switch version of this game. Uh, There are so many Nintendo-like decisions here with the online and how all that is working. Uh, That's just... They just missed the mark on it, and it needs to be better. The Dodo codes, visiting other people's islands, how the mayor thing works, how uh, multiple people living on it. Having the game locked to one island per Switch and things like that are just insane decisions uh, for this game. But that being said... In 2020, this game's high up on the list. Uh, how could have you done the pandemic without Animal Crossing New Horizons? Uh, it is whimsical, it's lovely, it's cute, uh, it's best enjoyed with friends and family. I love Animal Crossing New Horizons, and it's my number two of the year. Well, Reed, before we get to our number one picks, let's throw to the guest list submitted by both Andrew and Nick. Uh, we're going to reverse the order on that. Nick will go first, Andrew after that. They both uh, were graciously uh, able to record this on their phones. So bear with the audio quality that I've cleaned up as much as possible. Boys, take it away. Hey, it's Nikki Nene, my top seven for 2020. Number seven, Call of Duty Warzone. Banging out those wins, chalking up that KD ratio, send me straight to Valhalla. Number six, Cyberpunk 2077. Can't believe it's not my number one, but, you know, that's how it goes. Number five, Last of Us Part Two, my most thought-of game in 2020. Number four, Yakuza 7, Like a Dragon, the best RPG conversion kit money can buy. Number three, Demon Souls, the A1 number one with a bullet 
showpiece for the PS5. Fast loading, just get in, get out. What an excellent game. Number two, Hades. The coziest trip through hell that you can have in 2020. And number one, Ghost of Tsushima. Wiping off your bloody sword after a heart-pounding fight is the reason why. This is number one. Relaxing, thinking about just like those Mongol bastards. Then getting out of the bath and just cutting them to ribbons. Never had so much fun. This is Nikki Nene, and that was 2020. Peace. Hey everyone, it's Andrew, and here's my top seven games of the year for 2020. Number seven, DBZ Kakarot. Great open world Dragon Ball game. I mean, it's Dragon Ball, there's nothing much more you have to say. Number six, Call of Duty Warzone. It's getting better every year. It's had its ups and downs, of course, with cheaters and certain issues. I mean, it's Call of Duty. Number five, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. It's been a collection that we've all been pining for, and the fact that we finally get it, and they're just a great collection of games. I mean, if you've played them, you know what I'm talking about. Number four, Spider-Man Miles Morales. I mean, Spider-Man 1 was a great game, but having a different character to explore New York City with and have to face different circumstances and different trials in his life, I mean, it's an amazing game really expands off of the previous title and i think you'd be at a loss if you don't uh, try for yourself number three final fantasy 7 remake yes they change things yes it's different um it can be polarizing but i still think it's an absolutely fantastic game and if you're a fan of any of the final fantasy games in general you need to give this one a playthrough Number two, Resident Evil 3. I think that Capcom really did all their fans justice with Resident Evil 2 and 3 took it a step further. The gameplay is just great. The story, though slightly changed and updated, is just fantastic. Graphics, amazing. Um, Only drawback might be that it's much like Resident Evil 3 originally. It's still too short. But that said, it's absolutely worth the price to pay to play the game. Number one, now I understand that this game came out years ago, but as, in my mind, the defining title for the PlayStation 4, I've, I've got to say God of War. Um, crazy to say now that it, you know, it's Game of the Year 2020 and I'm, I took me this long to play it, but the story being based off such a simplified series and having the lore that it does the gameplay that it does and they took a complete shift in style it was brave to do and i gotta say that if you own a playstation 4 or 5 um you'd be really doing yourself a disservice by not playing this game read your number one game of the year very easily demon souls for ps5 wow yeah, what a surprise. Um, God, no, I was, I was thinking there for a second, what is it going to be? And I didn't think of that as yeah, an option. Yeah, it's so clearly for me. The gameplay is tight and focused. The re, redone sounds and textures and level design and everything is fantastic. 
the the timing buttery smooth 60 frames per second the ability to hop into the game from the main menu in 10 seconds is flabbergasting to me uh <laughs> the storm king fight is fucking unbelievable an overload of senses of sound and and visual fucking wonder uh yeah, I can't stop saying enough good things about Demon Souls PS5. It's one of the best remakes ever made. It's one of the best Souls games ever made. And if they're going to make any further Souls games, they would do uh they would do good to look at Blue Point and how they operated with with the attack animations, how they feel and sound when they hit. It's just fucking masterclass. Wow. Yeah. Uh my number one game of the year is going to be Hades. Uh wow. Hades is a game that reminded me uh, of how it feels to pop off, feel good at a video game. There are stressful moments in Hades when you're fighting bosses where it takes you right back to like the 16-bit days and just grinding out a boss in some platformer. Uh, the way this game is addicting with multiple playthroughs and and changing up the boons every time. Every time you fail or win, either way, you immediately want to get back in that dungeon and fuck shit up. Uh, you want to, you know, another 30, 40 minutes aside. It's all you can think about. Uh, when you're trying to get that first clear, like when you really get into it, like where you are now, basically, where yeah. you're just like, any time now, I'm going to fucking beat this game. I can feel it. Uh, all the little things they give you throughout so that if you are losing constantly, you feel like you're still making progress. It's masterful. Uh, it's taking, you know, the, the, arts, the art, the game looks beautiful for what it is. The uh, quality of the writing, the characters, the voice acting. Uh, the visuals, the story that's being told, and how it's being told through gameplay, where it, it's it's second to none. It's one of the best games uh, of the year, of the decade. I don't know. It's fantastic. It's, again, taking the Greek pantheon of gods and making them fucking interesting is not easy to do. There, there are, It's so fucked to death, man. Immortals just came out, that Phoenix Rising game. Yeah. Zeus and Poseidon and all these assholes appear in so much media yeah. because it's fucking public domain. It's insane. But Hades fits right in there and it, it feels like it doesn't even need it. It personalizes these characters in a way that you've never thought of before. Yeah, in like a, in a love, medium that's been... I love Dionysus in the game. He's like the best fucking character. Yeah. Ziggy, baby! <laughs> <laughs> it's Again, it's like releasing the Dark Universe movie. It's releasing a Dracula mummy Frankenstein movie and doing something new that hasn't been done in that, yes, in that regard yet. Yes, they added Tom Cruise. Yeah, they, you had Tom Cruise as like a guy who fights terrorists, and you're like, well, this is new, and this is different. Uh, Hades is that. No, wait, I've lost the thread. Uh, there's a great overarching story as well that you experience in this game, the way this game was put together. I thought I was done with roguelikes. Now I know I'm done with roguelikes, because how the fuck do you, do you follow up Hades and what it accomplishes in terms of gameplay and storytelling in this kind of genre of medium? It's the best game of 2020. Uh, I know there's some other people that agree with me out there. So good on you, Super Giant Games. Good on you, uh, Blue. Uh, it's either Blue Note or Blue Point making those remakes of Demon Souls. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and they're going to be doing the Metal Gear Solid one. Right. Like, yeah. how do you not? How can you not be excited about that with their attention? Well, yeah, to when detail? they when they do such a good job and they're going to be remaking one of the most beloved games of all time, it's like it's a fucking slam dunk here. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, thank you all for uh, for participating, listening uh, to our game of the year at Iceberg Podcast is us on uh, social media, Twitter. Uh, com is my email address. We will be doing a grab bag episode next episode. We will also be revealing what our next focused series 
uh, will be going forward for Public Beta Podcast, so don't miss that next week. We will also have a combined episode of Game of the Year 1 and 2 going up this weekend, and then probably also the Cyberpunk Mega episode going up after that. Reed, there's no end to the content. Thank you to Nick and Andrew for uh, submitting their guest lists. Sorry we had to rush it a bit. We are always tight on time. But uh, thanks for signing up for myself, Lee, and for Reed. That's the Public Beta Podcast. <laughs>